Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our roundtable for the four of the biggest stakes on Monmouth's Haskell Day. Really excited to have put this team together to go over these four races with you. We are going to start with uh, a man who founded this uh, podcast network with me. You see him on Fox all the time. He's very interested in a couple of horses on this stakes-laden card on Saturday at Monmouth. He is... Jonathan Kinchin, what's up, JK? BTF, what's going on? I'm uh, I'm just up here in Saratoga uh, attempting to survive. Week one was not nice to me. And Wednesday of week two, also uh, a kick in the pants. So, <laughs> you know, we got change. another day. That's the, that's the good news. Yeah, there's always fresh. As the old saying goes, there's always fresh. And sometimes when you're not going well at one track, you, you take some of your money and you allocate it to another for a day. Maybe Saturday at Monmouth would be would be just the trick. Our guest, who we've had on so many times to talk about Monmouth, especially contests, one of which there will be on Saturday. We'll get him to talk about that. We'll get him to give his opinions. He is Brian Skirka. Brian, how are the vibes down in the Jersey Shore? Uh, everything is great. We are super excited. This is our week, so everything here is uh, busy, busy, hustling around, but we, we wouldn't have it any other way. Haskell Day is my favorite day of the year. This week is my favorite week of the year, so even though I feel a little like that hustled horse from the racing office on this podcast, you got you, JK, Frank, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like the last hustled horse in to make it a fuller field, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> But folks always want to hear from you, so don't be silly. But we do have a special guest making his Monmouth seasonal debut for us on here. He's been on many times. He was on an extremely popular episode of JK Plus One. I want to say not too long ago, but it probably was pretty long ago. It's been a minute since we got to hear that. But it is worth going through the JK Plus One archive over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com to hear more of his story. You hear his voice any day you're watching Monmouth races. He's Frank Miramati. Frank, what's up? I'm very pleased to be on and uh, great to talk to you guys. Always fun when friends can hang out and uh, share some handicapping thoughts. That's it, exactly. And you've captured the vibe of what we try to do on these shows perfectly, Frank. As I always say, conversations we want to have with people we like anyway, and we just happen to record them and, and share them with people. A couple of questions before we begin. And Brian, we're going to start with you, because I know this contest format uh, the, the, the Haskell contest you've only done for a couple of years. It doesn't have the, as rich a history as the pick your prize. And I know the rules for signing up are a little bit different. I've had some questions from listeners. I want to get them clarified. What's the best way to sign up for this Haskell challenge on Saturday? All right. So this contest is online only. Uh, it's pretty much the only online only contest we do all year. Reason being is that on Haskell day, we, we just don't have the bandwidth to have an on-site portion of the contest here. So every player that's re- that's going to play on Saturday, it's a $1,000 buy-in. You need to be pre-registered ahead of time. You could play through either Express Bet or TVG, and then the, the New Jersey arm of TVG is 4NJ Bet. So if you're going to play through Express Bet, as always, they, they do have a portal to sign up literally right up until the day of the contest. So up until noon on Saturday, if you want to play through Express Bet, you can sign up directly on their site. If you're playing through TVG or 4NJ Bet, you have to be signed up with me in advance by Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. So you can find my email, my email you know, on our website or probably somewhere on online. Just shoot me an email or give me a call. I'll sign you up. Uh, TVG customers do have to be signed up in advance by Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. ExpressBet, you can either call me to sign up or you can sign up directly through the ExpressBet 
uh, site up until noon on Saturday. Talking about the what else is going on on this card on Saturday, Frank, I know you guys have a bunch of guaranteed pools and other promotions expecting a, a big crowd. What's one thing in particular outside of the contest that you feel like our listeners and attendees should be excited about? Well, first of all, you got to get there early, and, and it's the day in which you really just want to get out there and enjoy the opportunity to just, you know, you're going to find faces that you haven't seen uh, maybe other than once a year. This is just a big gathering of friends and big racing fans with a lot of passion. And, um, you know, I, I would just uh, get out there and roll up your sleeves and, you know, you got to try to hit these multi-race wagers. And we've got some guaranteed pools, which are outstanding, and, and that's what you want to get the value at. To me, that's what it's all about. I will be uh, passing on that for obvious reasons. I don't want to start getting nauseous while I'm calling these races. But uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun time, and it's certainly fun to – try to put things together. And I, I think you got to take some stands. And, and I think that's the key to success in any multi-race wager. We all want to spread every race, but it just gets too expensive. And then the payoffs aren't going to be as lucrative um, compared to the investment. So you just got to somehow take a stand once or twice and, uh, and try to get lucky the rest of the way. You mentioned getting there early. That's a good time to highlight the, the early post. 12 p.m. It begins. Things will kick off with the win early, pick five, win early, win often. Great bankroll builder for the day featuring a stakes race. We'll be covering that elsewhere on the network. On this show, we're going to focus on this all stakes pick four kicking off in race number nine. Brian, what's the guarantee on this one? 400000 400000 guaranteed, so there'll be some money in the pool, no doubt about it. It kicks off with the matchmaker, a grade three, going a mile and an eighth on the turf for three-year-old fillies and mares, three-year-old and up, uh, I should have said. Jonathan, we're going to bring you back in to get your thoughts on this one. How do you see kicking off this all-graded stakes pick four? Yeah, I mean, I think there's only three horses that can win. Um, sometimes, you know, that, that doesn't sound like the most appetizing, but I, I do think that in a situation like that, if you can, you know, we talk, you know, we talk about it all, all the time. If you like tie up the race or lock up the race or just, you know, be able to turn the page and move on and, and combine that with some other strong opinions I have later, I, I don't need to have a strong opinion here. I mean, I, I think Lamista is a very likely winner of the race. I thought she was closing into a slow pace last time. You get Flavian Pratt drawn towards the inside. I think Flavian is amazing down there. He saves ground, saves ground, and he's always seems to like kind of find the right time to get out. He doesn't seem to get stuck down there a lot, and I like that about him. And, and she makes a ton of sense, Lady Rockstar, uh, who, who's been pretty impressive for Brendan Walsh. You know, there's an argument maybe she wants a little bit longer, but a talented horse in, in her own right uh, that I think is set up to, to run a big race and then fluffy socks, probably the, the third of that group, but another one who, who was closing into a slow pace last time and, and on her best day can run a good race. I would probably make fluffy socks a B horse and use lady Rockstar and Lamista as A's. And I don't need anyone else in this race. All right. Let's bring you in Brian to get your thoughts on this one from a multi-race betting perspective. What numbers are you thinking of using and who would your top pick be? So, yeah, I'm actually going with someone not mentioned by J.K. I like Vigilante's way. I, I keep going back to her. This is probably four or five times in a row now for me. And, yes, she's run second three races in a row. But the move for her I really like is she gets off the rail this time. She's drawn the one post two races in a row. 
And she did get really good trips in both of those races. And, you know, she kind of sat the pocket in between. Let me say that last time she got a good trip two back, she did not get such a good trip. She saved ground, but she checked a couple of times. I didn't like her trip two back. But I like to move outside for her. And I think she's going to be either on the lead, close to the lead. You know, it's tough to read Flighty Lady, who's the third Chad Brown in here. You know, she set the pace last time going much further in the New York. And Chad's other two horses, Fluffy Socks and Lomisa, that J.K. mentioned, come out of the same race that Mom, that same race that Vigilante's Wake came out of. And that race was wired, you know, in a very slow pace. So I'm not sure if Light Lady's entered here to kind of do the same thing she did last time, be a pace better for those two. But even if she is, I like Vigilante's Wake drawn outside of that horse to sit just off of her. I, I kind of like her options now that she's on the outside versus the inside as last time. And I think she's going to be closer early then the two Chad closers that, that J.K. mentioned, really all three of the horses that J.K. mentioned, and the Vigilante's Way on buyers. And I think as horses, are, they're pretty similar. You know, Vigilante's Way ran a, somewhere in the low 90s, I would expect her to run, and those are kind of the numbers that the horses that J.K. mentioned. So I'm going to give Vigilante's Way one more shot here with an outside draw. She's never been out of the exact at moment. Sounds like you're not ready to rip up that contract you have with Vigilante's Way yet, Brian. Frank, we'll bring you in to break the tie. Is this one you can uh, lock up, as J.K. suggests, or, or do you think maybe we can bring in a runner like Vigilante's Way or one of the others? I think Vigilante's Way can be used. In, you know, I like Lady Rockstar, and, and uh, that's where I'm going. I, I like her. She's, uh, I agree that maybe she wants to go long, but this is a mile and an eight. There's plenty of time for her to do it. She did that very well in her U.S. debut. I think she's ready to step up. The, the, the rest of these haven't just overwhelmed me with their performances, and I think this new shooter is the way to go. I'm just going to put her on top. I certainly don't disagree with – I was very disappointed with Fluffy Stocks last time. Um, I thought she was going to start getting involved. She was very wide, and like we all mentioned, this was a slow pace. But uh, I thought that was a pretty dismal effort through the stretch for her. Um, I'm going to go Lady Rockstar over Vigilante's way at Mamisa, but um, I, I would really put emphasis on Lady Rockstar here. I, I think that she's ready to step up and get her first graded stakes win here in the United States. Let's move to the next stake we've got. It's the Molly Pitcher, three and a Phillies and Mares once again at the grade three level, a mile and a 16th on the dirt this time, goes as race number 10 at 438. Frank Miramati, we'll keep it with you. I'm going to single search results in here. I think she is by far the class of this field. I think she'll dominate this race. I don't think you need to use anyone else in here. I'm absolutely stone cold on search results and no one else. Wow, very confident opinion there, but I get it. I certainly get it. Brian, how about you? Is it as simple as search results in this race? She's on every ticket. She's going to be singled on the vast majority of them. You know, her race last time in the FIPS was unbelievable in, in a losing effort. You know, I'm not a huge proponent of those, like, as soon as they cross the wire, praising horses that didn't win for running the best race. I get it. Like, I feel like this is the time to do that when we're looking back in handicapping. But there's no doubt about it that in her running third in the fifth was an unbelievable race. She basically dueled Latruska champion to a walk in that race and just got just got nailed late by the closer. So she's on every ticket, a single on the vast majority. I think my, my other main opinion in this race is just for the a horse that I use on a couple tickets underneath, you know, to run second. I, I like Army Wife over Bonnie South. Uh, frankly, I'm tired of Bonnie South. You know, she runs well every time. If she gets dropped down in class, if she moves up in class, she kind of runs the same race every time, and typically it's not a winning race. So I might do a cold 3-4 exact and try to get Bonnie South out of the number. All right, very interesting. Uh, I'll let, write that down more for verticals. J.K., want to bring you in to see if we can make it a chorus for search results in this spot. 
Oh, yeah, I'm with Frank. I'm ice cold uh, to search results. And, and, you know, often we joke like, you know, I, I like search results a lot. I wouldn't talk anyone else off a long shot in here. I actually would. If you like a long shot in here, just reach out to me and I will talk you off of that horse. This search results is going to gallop. She ran so big last time, and I agree. I think sometimes we can get carried away with, oh, the third place horse ran the best race. But in this situation, she ran huge. And it's not a coincidence that Irad's not there anymore. Chad was not happy at all about that ride. That is not what they talked about doing. Chad had kind of told me the story. He told the DRF the story of what the plan was to not hook Latruska early because he felt like that could take too much out of search results. He wanted to hook Latruska late. <laughs> Irad hooked her early the entire way around there, and two monsters ran them down late with Clarier and Malathot. Search results is the type of horse that I think is going to have a big year, and I think it's going to start here. Uh, I think she wins for fun. We've got grade one action up next, gentlemen, in the United Nations, a mile and three-eighths on the turf. Uh, some more very interesting out-of-town representation for the Chad Brown barn. Seems like J.K. thinks Chad's going to have a big day. Is it going to continue in the U.N.? I mean, look, I think Chad Uvin kind of got, you know, they. I think they – what happened in that situation? Well, a couple of things. One, it was one of the worst Manhattans we've seen, right? It just wasn't that, that, that star studded Manhattan. There's no bricks and mortars, no domestic spendings. I can assure you of that. Tribuvian, they just kind of let the horse go because I think they all thought he would come back. I don't think they'll make that mistake this time. I think they'll run at him a little bit earlier. The other problem was is that, you know, it wasn't really anything chasing him. Adamo actually ran pretty good in that race, closing into a slow pace. I still don't think Adamo is like this crazy good grade one type horse. But I do think it's the type of horse that can win this race. I'm going to go ahead and draw up my divorce papers for Gufo and just kind of keep them. <laughs> and if Gufo loses this race, I'm signing him, I'm sending him in, I'm packing my stuff, and I'm out. I just think that he has to stop having excuses. I think he's a talented racehorse, but I'm kind of getting tired of his act. I think he's going to get the pace to close into, and if he doesn't win this one, it's over between us. <laughs> 10-1, is that what you're calling it? Yeah, I mean, I think one of those two horses will likely win. Um, you know, we'll have to see. Brian, I've made you the middleman on all of these. I hope you don't mind. It's not so bad going second, though. What, what do you think? Can Tribuven, um, who likes the local course, get around there wire to wire, or is it going to set up for the closers like J.K. thinks? Uh, I'm going to pick Adamo. I do think it's going to set up for a closer. My divorce papers with Gufo have already been signed, sealed, and delivered, so that's, 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 that story's over for me. Um, but I, I do think I agree with J.K. in the sense that I think that Tribuvin is going to get more pace pressure today. Last year when he won the U.N., you know, his other pace foe, who's also in this race, Epic Bromance, didn't break very well. So he kind of got an easy lead last year. And then last time in the Manhattan, maybe it would have been a pace, um, you know, foe, but he would have been a lot closer. Um, what's that horse's name from Bill Mott that broke so slowly uh, last time in the Man- Channel? Channelmaker. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, he got left last time in the Manhattan. So in both of those races, I'm definitely, I'm certainly not a, a proponent of saying that a horse got lucky to win. Uh, I'm not saying Tribuvin is lucky, but he did kind of have a little bit of advantage in his last two big wins. Last year, he went in the Manhattan because a, a pace pressure foe, you know, just didn't break with him. And I do think there's some decent pace to, to run with him here. I think Epic Bromance with a good break and Jose Ferreira board is going to be definitely close to the pace. And the two Carpenters call should be pretty close too. He's pretty close to the place, pace coming out of shorter races. So I think you're going to see an honest pace here. And Adamo is my pick. 
I don't think he was going to win last time no matter what, but he did kind of, you know, wait a little bit to make his move on the turn. Again, I don't think he was going to win. I think he would have been closer than the three-and-a-half lengths that he ended up finishing. Uh, J.K. already talked about Flavian Pratt when he's drawn on the inside. I see Adamo sitting on the rail the entire way, finding a a split in the stretch and winning this race. Uh, You know, if Gufo wins, then, uh, yeah, we're we're already separated. So maybe (laughs) maybe, uh, that's, that's over for me. Sometimes you have to look at your ex looking fine at the party. It just happens that way. Frank, let's bring you in for your thought on the winner of this year's United Nations. Let's remember and give credit where credit's due. When Brian's last Tosaruski was Hot Rod Charlie, and he capitalized not only for your listeners, but for himself uh, at Monmouth Park. So when Brian starts putting the line through horses, it's good to pay attention. I actually like his selection in here in Adamo. I'm not positive he wasn't going to win last time out. I understand it certainly doesn't look that way because he got out of there late, but you cannot underestimate what, what trouble is. When you get stopped and you have some issues, you just don't know what would have happened. Right. And I think uh, he, with him also uh, returning to Lasix in this spot, I think he's definitely the horse to beat. He is my clear-cut top choice, and I really like Adamo in the United and, Nations. Any backups to mention, Frank, or or is it really well, Adamo? I, I think – I actually think Gufo is, is, is a decent type horse, but he is. I mean, the people who have taken him at short prices, I certainly understand the divorce papers. You know, Rosario just has such a tremendous ability to get the closing kick. And, and I think that he is dangerous, but I certainly understand those who have had enough of him. This could be the time when he pays $11 and slaps everyone in the face who's been taking two to one and under on him. So I, I think he would be the one that I would use. And even though speed has been phenomenal on our course, this meet, and I, I talked to our uh, on-air analyst, uh, Brad Thomas, who's as sharp as anyone in the country, and he's been really uh, not only emphasizing but capitalizing on the fact that speed has been so good. For some reason, uh, Trebuvin is just not a horse that I'm going to live with either. So I, I think it's going to be uh, uh, inside, outside for me as well. But but to me, a big emphasis on Adama. I think he's ready to, to, to turn in a, a solid performance and stamp himself as a, a pretty serious horse in the market. Lots of consensus on Adamo there. We move on to our featured race of the day. It's the grade one Haskell for these three-year-olds going a mile and an eighth. Return to the races of Taba. Return to the races of Jack Christopher. Certainly those two at the top of the market are going to take a huge amount of the money. But a couple other interesting runners in here, too, in White Abario and Cyberknife. Frank, which one is going to win? It's a tough call. It really is. But I, I have to go to table. I've watched him live. Um, he, he's just, his pedigree is, is all about the route, it's all about the distance. I don't think he'll be the favorite. And I did express that to our morning line maker, Brad Thomas, who didn't want to hear one word of that. Um, but uh, uh, I don't think he'll be the favorite. I think Jack Christopher is going to open up at one to nine and uh, he's going to be odds on and the favorite in this spot. But here's the thing. Jack Christopher has been so brilliant. And this is an entirely different ball game, and it's a it's a further race. And Taba is an imposing individual, and the way he won the Run Happy Seventy-two Derby, he blew Messier away, um, and, and Messier couldn't lose with the trip that he got. And, and this horse blew right by him like he was standing still. When he broke his maiden, go watch him accelerate right about just before the eighth pole. When this horse fires, he fires, and Bob, you know, he's back and he wants to get back, you know, where he likes it, which is in the spotlight. This horse wouldn't be coming here if he wasn't on the top of his game. I know there have been some comments about his works and so on and so forth, and maybe he'd been, maybe he worked better earlier. This is a stone cold racehorse. I think the 
The thing about Jack Christopher that I can't get out of my head is the half hours on the bottom. When I think of half hours, I think of Stone Cold Sprinters. This this family does not represent, uh, you know, classic distance type pedigree. I realize that his running has been nothing short of freakish, but I think this is a different ballgame because Tabor's not going to let him out of his sight. I think Tabor runs him down. I definitely have some sympathy for the idea that there's going to be a lot of Taba support with the Baffert factor and the fact that he's won 72 Haskells and these attendant questions about Jack Christopher and his ability to get the distance. But I still would have, I still would have flipped it as well and made Jack Christopher, I don't know, six to five, I think, in terms of morning line in a spot like this. Not to give Brad a hard time. I, you know, I, I see where he's coming from. Um, but I tend to agree with you, Frank. Brian, how about you in terms of who's going to win this race? Is it going to be one of those top two, or can we get somebody else? Can they hook up early and we get somebody else involved? I think it has to be one of the top two. I actually think this is a fascinating matchup. Put aside the the marketing aspect and trying to to drum up a good race when it's not. I think these top two is a fascinating one-two matchup. Here you have this horse, Taba, coming in from Bob Baffert. This horse has to be cranked for his best race. Bob, we've all know what, what Bob Baffert has been through the past year plus. This is his first race back in the, you know, in the grade one in the you know, on national television. This is a race that he's won nine times. He has to be sending this horse over ready to run his absolute best race. And he's going to come over here and take on a horse who's never lost. Nobody's ever been close to him. A horse that to some people has legitimate distance questions. I just think it's a fascinating one, too. I think Jack Christopher is going to win this race. I, I like his outside draw, draw relative to Taba. I think he is the fastest horse in the race early. I don't personally think that, you know, Mike Smith is going to gun Taba to the lead. I think Jack Christopher is going to get the lead. Taba's obviously not going to be that far behind, but I think Taba's going to have to run down Jack Christopher in the stretch. And, and probably my, my biggest point, which is just made up in my head and that there's no way to really, you know, prove this. I just trust Chad Brown. Chad Brown has talked about this horse so highly, even comparing him to Ghost Zapper after his last race. Chad Brown knows if this horse can get a mile and an eighth, or at least has a really, really good opinion. He's not going to be right, obviously, all of the time. But he has to be confident in this horse. He's pointed to the Haskell for a very long time. I have to think that he knows that this horse has a really good chance of getting a mile and an eighth. I think he's going to win this race, and and I've always been a fan of his. I hope he becomes a future superstar. I hope both of these horses become superstars and run against each other for a long time. But I'm going to pick Jack Christopher, and I think it's going to be a fascinating stretch still between the two of them because Taylor's going to be bearing down. And even in the mid-stretch, there's still going to be a question of will Jack Christopher be able to hang on for this last 16th of a mile with a nine-time Haskell winner, Bob Baffert, or chasing him down. I'm going to take Jack Christopher to hold him off. So it's just the nine times he's won the race, not the 72 that I that I threw out there. That's that's good to know. J.K., excited to bring you in on this one. I had this fanciful scenario when first looking at this race that some at some point on the day, on Haskell Day, uh, Chad Brown and Bob Baffert are going to be in an elevator together, and the topic of conversation is going to come up about this annoying Kinchin guy texting them all the time for information. <laughs> you think that's a reasonable scenario? No, I don't think so. And those are my buddies. Um, which look, which buddy's going to win? Uh, uh, CB for sure. Uh, I'll be ice cold to Jack, and, and it's not. And I have a lot of reasons. And we'll start with, you know, one. We'll start with one. Look. The Preakness winner was meant to come to this race, early voting. And now early voting has been redirected to 
the Jim Dandy. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's because Chad knows how serious of a racehorse Jack Christopher is. When it comes to the distance questions, uh, spending time with Gary Stevens and spending time with Richie Migliori, they have convinced me fully, and I used to hem-haw about what one-turn miles meant. They have convinced me fully that a one-turn mile from a stamina standpoint, especially if it's being run on the front end, is more stamina testing than a mile and an eighth. Because when you go in a two-turn mile and an eighth, when you go into that first turn, you're allowed, you have to slow down to turn left. On a straightaway, you're running full speed the entire time if you're running on the front end. The fact that Jack won the champagne going on one turn mile, and even more so that he won the Pat Day mile off of a huge layoff in an injury and was able to gut it out with a fast figure gives me zero pause that he's going to have any issues going a mile and an eighth. Now, my only thing is I hope he wins this race by six. So in five weeks, we can find out if he wants to go a mile and a quarter, and then I have no problem with the questions. The other thing is, is I'm no Maggie Wolfendale when it comes to looking how horses move, but the way that Jack moves is very, very efficient. And it's even so efficient that my amateur eye can see it. He doesn't waste a lot of energy. He listens to Jose Ortiz. He waits and waits, and when Jose asks him, he spurts away. I hate the word push button, but this horse is push push button. I have no concerns. I love Cava as a horse, but he's got a monster going to be lapped to his outside around there. And I think Jack Christopher is the best three-year-old in the country, and I think we'll see it on Saturday in the hospital. You're in danger of getting knocked off of Mike Maloney's holiday card list by saying you don't like the term push button. What's wrong with it? Just over no, I just I think it's overused. Yeah, okay. I think it's overused. I think it's more of a turf horse thing because there's not a lot of dirt horses that are push button, but that's one of the reasons why I think Jack is so special. Well, you met, you all make very compelling cases. I'm glad we got both perspectives represented on the show. Just one more question for you, Brian, before we get out of here. Actually, I got one more for Frank, too, but we'll start with Brian. You mentioned about national TV. Where can folks, obviously, they're ADWs, but where else can folks watch any other messaging we should get out there from the Monmouth point of view on this card on Saturday? So the UN and the Haskells, the races 11 and 12, are on CNBC from 5 to 6 p.m., and then every other race is on TVG. They're sending a pretty big crew here, uh, topped by Larry Coleman, so they'll be on site for all the undercard, and the, there's two races after the Haskell, don't forget that, so they'll be on uh, handling all those races. The, the two grade ones, the UN and the Haskell, were on, will be on CNBC from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Good stuff. Frank, while I have you on, we decided not to bother you for our essentially what was our Jersey Shore uh, lifestyle show early on in the meet. But was just curious, where are we going for pizza after the Haskell? Well, um, first of all, you, you, Federici's is, is the champ uh, in Freehold. Uh, there's a place very close to Monmouth Park called Rockefeller's. The one, there are two of them. There's Rockefeller's and Rockefeller Station. They're both same ownership. You want to go to the one on Prospect Avenue. You can get slices. You can get a Sicilian that's second to none. Um, so certainly you want to go there. If you're near uh, the Meadowlands or you're, you're coming in, you want to stop at a place uh, in Nutley called Ralph. I'll tell you, Ralph's Pizza, the flavor is just extraordinary. And uh, they serve slices, but their, their pizza is really, really good. The thin is just dominant and uh, one of the best in the state, no question. So if you're close by, go to Rockefeller's. See my man Rico. 
He's a pizza legend, and uh, he's got racing on in there all the time. Bunch of characters in there, and uh, a man who just dedicates his life to serving great food. And I can tell you this, I don't eat the other stuff there, but there are a lot of other dishes that he serves. Um, Michael Stidham, who's a very uh, spoiled foodie, uh, loves some of his stuff. I think he has some salmon in there. And there's something called broccoli rob, which I don't even know what that is. Anything that starts with broccoli is out for me, so I don't care if it's Rob, Sam, John, or uh, JK. Uh, I'm not into that, but I've heard it's phenomenal. Um, so these are things to, uh, to take into consideration. But the pizza at Rockefeller's, top-notch, great flavor, great ingredients, legendary pizza maker, Rico. Tell them about it being sent you. Love it. Several grade one options from Frank. Guys, that is the perfect segue into lunch. So I say we leave it there. want to thank JK. want to thank Brian. want to thank Frank so much for your time today. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it so much, Pete. See you guys. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your Haskell Day photos.